Wow, what a great day of worship, amen? Amen. I am so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to be a part of Carbondale. I believe with all of my heart uh, is the greatest church in Oklahoma, uh, if not the greatest church in the nation. It is an incredible place to be. It's an incredible place to raise your family. It's an incredible place just to call home because this place will love you in your darkest moments and they will, they will celebrate you in your highest highs. And so I'm just telling you, if you're visiting this morning, uh, that's the best you're going to get from me. Uh, just know that uh, I just want you to get this, that this is a place that you need to be. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is home. If you're looking for a home, this is a place to call home. This week, um, I began to, to study, and, and I knew that I was going to be tasked with the message to preach today. I, I, um, weeks ago at a youth camp on a Tuesday night, God gave me a word. I began to write down that word. I shared a little bit of that word with my friend Barry Douglas, and we just kind of talked about the word that God had given me. And as I began to write it down, I just kind of left it where it was. Uh, and then this past week, uh, the past seven or eight days, as I began to dig deeper and begin to ask God for direction and clarity and ask God to show me what it is he wanted me to preach through the message that he gave me, uh, I began to write. And I just want you to know that I don't know if anyone else, I'll have to explain it in the, in, in the second service, but I don't know if anyone has ever been to the woodshed. But this last week, God took me to the woodshed and he whipped me. Uh, he, he just began to, he began to just show me uh, that who I was and what I needed to change. And so uh, this morning, I just want you to know that the message that I'm about to preach is not just to you, but it's to me. And so if you start to get ready to throw stones, don't throw them at me because I've already thrown enough at myself this week as I prepare for the sermon. But I just want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for Carbondale. And it's going to be good and you're going to enjoy it and God's going to do great things. And so this morning as I, as I preach, I preach with a heavy heart, but I also preach uh, with the voice of the Holy Spirit as he helped me pin this this morning. So I ask you this morning to hear the voice and the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit uh, as I deliver this message. You know, I don't know about you, but um, I've had some moments. Uh, Pastor Sarah said the word moment today just a little bit ago, but I've had moments in my life. I've had some good moments and I've had some bad moments. And uh, I remember very early on in my um, uh, youth ministry, I had a moment on a football field after a game. I walked out to the, to, the, to the 50 yard line and the coach was giving a speech. He was telling the players, I'm proud of you. You've done a great job tonight. We come up a little bit short, but we're going to work on some things. We're going to push forward. We're going to move on and we're going to come out victorious. We're going to win. And then after he finished that conversation, he said, all right, unbuckle, let's pray. And they all said, our father, thou in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They begin to pray that prayer. And I noticed that uh, as I went to different events, different softball games and volleyball games and, and basketball games and baseball games, at the end of the day, at the end of the game, the coach would meet him at the midfield or he'd meet him at, at, the, free, at, the, at the half court line or he'd meet him somewhere on the field and he would talk to them and they would talk about what they did wrong or what they did right and always at the end they would say our father thou art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread right forgive us of our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thou is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and it was an incredible theme because I realized that everyone that I was watching knew that prayer I would be safe to say that anyone in this room that's played any kind of a sport activity at all, at high school or at a, a junior high level, uh, you can tell me that they, they know this prayer. They prayed this prayer. And the sad thing is that many of us know this prayer, but one of the most important prayers that I want to talk about today is found in the book of John, John chapter 17. John 17 gives us a remarkable insight into what 
was on Jesus' heart and mind at the pivotal moment of human history. John 17 is what Jesus prayed on Thursday night before Good Friday. Just moments before leading to the crucifixion and the resurrection. This is what he prayed. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. And I emphasize the one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also... And it says, be in us so that the world may believe. I emphasize that, so the world may believe. That you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And again, I emphasize one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And we emphasize complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Sounds pretty important, right? To be honest, it's extremely important. Would it be more important to you if you actually knew that the prayer that he was praying that day was the prayer that he was praying for Carbondale, the church, and Tulsa? I have to believe that he is. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Hebrews 13 and 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. It would make sense to conclude that what he prayed then is what he's praying now. But we don't have to guess. He tells us in John 17, 20 through 21, that this is his prayer for every generation. Jesus is incredibly focused as he prays. I mean, three times in this prayer, he specifically mentions what he's not praying for. Jesus is strategic and intentional because the time has come as the prayer begins and because all of heaven and earth are watching. Don't you remember that? This prayer matters. When you read John 17, it's, it's hard to miss the central theme. Four times Jesus prays, he prays that Jesus' followers would be one as he is one with the Father in heaven. All of all the burdens on Jesus' mind. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He knows what he's about to endure. He knows what's about to take place. He's about to be beaten and whipped. He knows what's going to take place. And on the center of Jesus' mind was not about how can I get out of this, but it was simply can the church stay unified. It was one of the most important things. Christian unity took center stage at one of the most pivotal moments in Jesus' life. Jesus was about to die, lay down his life on, on the cross, but yet he says, listen, it's about unity in the church. That's phenomenal to me. When I think about that, it, it does something to me on the inside. How's that working for us? I, I want you to understand, how is that working for us? Perhaps we shouldn't just hope that unity happens and celebrate it when it does. No, Jesus apparently thought it was the most important thing for which to be praying for because he prays for this just before his heart-wrenching moments in the garden and on the cross. Unity. The sermon title today is called Moments. We all have them, some good, some bad, regardless of the color of your skin, your social, economical background, your gender, you all have what you call Moments. Some moments will define you as a whole. Moments have a way of defining our character, our standards, even our relationship with God, our faith, if you will. I'm asking you this morning to do something with me, to take a journey. I want you to take just a second, if you will, in your mind and just go over a few of your life-defining moments. They could be good or they could be bad. But I want you to think about them right now. Just begin to think about some life-defining moments. And now I'm going to ask you to hold on to those moments for just a minute as we journey through this message this morning. For some of you, those moments that you just thought of were warm and fuzzy, they bring back exciting times. For others in here today, you have some not so pleasant defining moments, but regardless, they have shaped you. I need every one of you in this morning to have what we call an aha moment. But in order to do that, we have a lot of ground to cover. 
and I got about 22 minutes. And so I just want to ask you, if you will, this morning to help me as we jump into this message. Before I jump into the message, I want to ask you a question. It's a question that's extremely hard to ask. It's a question that most of you in this room have probably never thought of. You'll probably never think of again. But for some of you in this room who are overachievers, you will have already thought of the question, written it down, and handed it to your family knowing what you wanted to say. Again, this question is very difficult to ask, but I'm going to ask you to bear with me this morning. The question is simply this. What do you want on your tombstone? I didn't think you would shout me down. I'm not talking about your pizza, but seriously, when your physical body comes to the point it no longer works and is buried in a tombstone as a place to designate your body where it lies, what do you want your family to put on your tombstone? Have you really thought of that? It's not easy, is it? Some of us wanted to say like, Pastor Brian was a loving follower of Jesus, devoted dad and a caring husband. <laughs> Whatever it is your family puts on your tombstone is how they are typically defining you in the way that you lived. In other words, they're telling the world what they thought of you. Crazy, isn't it? At the end of the day, not today, Pastor Brian, but at the end of that day, your tombstone, I told you I was going to use you today, I'm sorry, will describe to those that don't know you who you were. That's what your tombstone does. It tells people who you were. I know Pastor Phil loves to, he, he's, he's weird, but he does love to go to cemeteries and walk around and just read all the, he loves it. I mean, he, he loves a good tombstone. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I went to Pottsville, Arkansas with him just to fix a tombstone for one of his family members. Um, you can't make that stuff up. But to those of you, but those that knew you, Brian, it wasn't the tombstone that mattered. It was the dash in the middle. It wasn't the day that you were born or the day that you died, but it was the moments in between that mattered. I ask you that question today because life is short. James 4.14 says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while and then it is gone. Some of you are asking, PJ, why are you talking about this? This is like an Easter sermon. If you'll bear with me, we're building a runway and in a minute we'll land the plane. But back to our text. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that... All of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in you so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and love them as you have loved me. Jesus had an aha moment in John chapter 17. He prayed that believers would have a moment as well and dwell in complete unity. Why did he pray this? Uh, maybe so that the world would believe in him. And if that's the case, and that means we must be unity, have, we must be unified in such a way that it's visible to the world. Jesus wants us to love each other so much and be so unified that when the world sees us and how we stick together, they want what we have. They, they, he wants us simply to look around and people to say, I don't know what's different about them, but it's something about the God they serve, so I want to know that God. Let me ask you today, this is the new season for Carbondale. Are we doing that? Listen, I told you I'm preaching to myself. Listen, church, I am preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. That's actually in my sermon. <laughs> I know and you know we have never been here before. And I know it's scary and it's hard, but trust me when I say this, we must live out this process in unity now more than ever. I get it. These are difficult times. It's a difficult task for our church, our board, and our staff. But what you need to know is that the world is watching. 
Other churches are watching. Our district is watching. People are watching to see how we handle it because this is a legendary church and they want to know how we handle it. So we have to handle it well and finish strong. So think about this. At the end of the day, we need the world to see us as a church united together, striving for perfect will of God for our church. So I beseech you. Pastor Brian stole my word last week. Ah, it makes me so mad. People never use the word beseech anymore. <laughs> but Pastor Brian said it last week, and I was like, ah. <laughs> I'd already written my sermon, Brian. But the word beseech means to beg. It's a word that we don't use very much anymore. So I, I have, and, and, and I know that I need you to know that I, I, with all that I have and all that I know, I beseech you, I beg of you to strive toward unity in this matter. I beg of you to trust in the board as they move forward in this process, finding our new pastor. Church, we are stronger together. The Solomon says in one th Psalms 133.1, it says, how long and good, I mean, how good and pleasant it is when brothers in, dwell in unity. 2023 will be so much sweeter. It's been good already, but it'll be so much sweeter if we, the church, really work hard to love one another above all else and become even more unified than ever before. Trust me when I say we need these difficult times to bring us together, not pull us apart. We need each other. We need each other more than we know. We are stronger together. Stand up, church, and be strong. In, in a time like this, our unity will be tested. So I challenge you today, go first, pursue peace, and pursue unity. There is always a blessing for those who obey God's word. And never forget we are stronger together. Jesus actually prayed this prayer for his disciples as his church right before his death. Jesus knew he was about to die, but he had this aha moment, and he was thinking of the church. He was thinking of you and me in this moment. And the crazy thing, Jesus knew when he was about to die. He knew he was about to die. He knew what was about to take place. He knew what he was going to go through, and, and Jesus literally was thinking of you and me. He was thinking of the church. He knew what was about to take place. He was trying to figure it out, but he was like, okay, here we go. All right, um, he begins to just pray, and, and we don't know when we're going to die, Right? I mean, no one in this room, we know that the Bible talks about life is like a vapor, it's here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know when we're going to die. Talk, the Bible talks about, we'll read it again here in a little bit, but our days are numbered. We don't know when that last day is going to be. The crazy thing is, is I read a, a, a story the other day that the, the scientists have come up with a device, and it's called the death test watch. It is actually a watch contraption that you wear on your wrist that measures the vitality of the cells inside your capillaries and basically tells you how much longer you have to live. Now, that's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think they're going to have to work a little bit on their um, markets, right? I mean, they're not going to be able to market that. How they, I love what they say. Here's what it says. And, and in closing, they say, the hope, that's what, this is what they're saying. The hope is that the people would use the watch to better their health and improve their lives. But we are also concerned that this device may lead to depression. You think? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Wow. I don't think God wants us to walk around morbidly with a death test, death test watch on thinking, okay, well, I got 48 hours to live. I mean, I, if that's the case, then I'm going to find the bull named Fu Manchu. I'm going to go Rocky Mountain climb, and I'm going to go skydiving. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's what God wants us to do, but I do think that he wants us to love deeper, speak sweeter, and he wants us to give the forgiveness that we've been denying. Famous words from the famous theologian Tim McGraw. But in those words, what would it look like as Christians to live like we were dying? How would you live your life if you knew that you were dying? 
how would that moment be different? If you knew it was your last day, how would you treat people? Let's flip the script. How would you treat others if you knew they were dying and it was their last days? Why is it sometimes as Christians, we have to wait until someone gets bad news before we actually show them that we're a Christian? Mm, I didn't think you'd chop me down on that one. It's so true, though. I mean, all we, I mean, we all know that God gets the final say in how long we live. But in reality, I need you to know that God doesn't want us, but he expects us to number our days aright so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Time is different. Have you ever thought about time? I mean, before God created the heavens and the earth, there was no time. God is eternal, and therefore he is outside of time, and yet God entered time when Jesus took on human flesh and was born into the world as a baby. We like to think that we're masters of time. I mean, we have clocks and watches that measure time out to the precise nanosecond. There are some of us in this room that we think that we can just, we, we're so good at time that we, when time goes rushing by, it's okay. There are times when we are very much aware of the time, such as times when we're working against a pro- project, working on a project, working against the clock, a deadline to meet. Time goes passing by, and we wonder where it, where it went. And then there are those wonderful times when we let go of our watches and our clocks and we enjoy the day of leisure and rest and we hardly notice the time at all as it passed by. Like this last week, praise God, that was so good, right? In other words, time is important. Because you know that all of us, regardless of the color of your skin, your income, where you live, you all have several things in common. But the one thing that we all have in common, and and nothing can change that, is we all have 86,400 seconds in a day. The question is, what are you doing with it? Here's why that question is important, because your days are numbered. We just said that. Psalms 90 and 12 says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what we mean by that is, this principle is that time is limited and it's precious. There's only so many hours in a day, and I know this because God called the light day and he called the darkness night, and there was evening and then there was morning on the first day. That's Genesis chapter 1 verse 5. When God created the world, he created the earth, the sun, and the moon, and the stars. He created the earth to spin as it revolves around the sun. And very early on, we learned to trace the movements of the sun across the sky to measure time throughout the day. The last time I checked, there were 24 hours in a day, and that's by God's design. So we have 24 hours to each, each day to sleep, to rest, to play, to worship, to pray, to talk, to, to take care of business, to enjoy family and friends, and to pursue personal projects. What's fascinating to me is that all of us have the same amount of time. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, it doesn't matter what continent you live on, whether you're in the country or the city, each of us on planet Earth have the same amount of time. Time is important. Think about that for just a moment. And it's amazing that two different people can make such a different use of the same amount of time. Remember, the lost time is never found again. It's true, the Earth spins around, and when the day is done, the day is gone, you never get it back. The truth is there are so many days in your life. I'm not trying to scare anyone in this room, but I want you to understand that some of you in this room need to realize that, listen, you think I'm young, I have lots of time, I can do whatever I want. That's not 100% accurate. Psalms 139.16 says, All your days are ordained, for we were written in your book before any of them came to be. My goal this morning is not to, to, to scare you. My goal at the end is to get you to understand the importance of time. My goal personally is to make heaven my home. That's what I want to do. I want to one day when I stand before him, him say, well done, good and faithful, entering great is your reward. That's what I hope and I, I pray that I hear. That's what I'm longing to hear. A close second to that is I want to take as many people with me as I can. And I can only do that if I'm unified with the body. I want you to think about that this morning. As Christians, our lives are made up of many defining moments, the effect of how we live 
They come from decisions that we made in faith, big and small. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says, For each of us, God has appointed a time to be born and a time to die. So between those two milestones are dates and our days, our moments that are appointed to us on earth. Each of us live in this dimension of linear time, one day after another, one year after another. The word time appears 771 times in Scripture. It's used 30 times in the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where time is presented as a sequence of life events unfolding before us through various seasons or times in our lives. This is a new season that we, a church, are living out at Carbondale. But trust me when I tell you that this season didn't take or catch God off guard. It didn't take him by surprise. He sees us, and he has a plan for us. And it's good. We have to just learn to trust him and to trust those who he's placed in leadership over us during this time. And at the end of the season, I promise you, it will be good. I believe with all of my heart, though the past be glorious, the best is yet to come for Carbondale. I believe that with all of my heart. I know that God has a plan and a purpose and God's got something great. We're about to celebrate 90 years right here in October for Carbondale. Isn't that awesome? I can't wait to see what God's going to do the next 90 I mean, I won't be here for all of those, but. (laughs) But I want you to understand that all of us want this very thing, right? All of us want great things for Carbondale. That's what the board wants. That's what the staff wants. That's what you as a congregation want, I'm sure. I know some of you have opinions, and I'm asking you, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you, all of you, including myself, to pray more and speak less during this time. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you, but I want you to get this. I want you to understand where I'm coming. Uh, You have to understand that we're about to celebrate 90 years. This board and this staff and this congregation loves this house. And our goal and our desire and our dream is for this house to flourish like it's never flourished before. And that'll only happen if we have aha moments and come together in unity. And so I want you to think about that for just a moment. And, and, and some of you in this room need to get this. I, I, I said that. I want you to pray more and speak less. But listen, can I just be honest? I'm going to go ahead and say it because um, I've already said enough. Stop being a keyboard warrior and, stop being, and start being a prayer warrior. You say, well, PG, I didn't say anything. No, but you text it or you send it in an email. Stop. Anyone can hide behind a keyboard. Don't be a keyboard warrior. I think I need to tell them something. Pray. I think I need to send them a text. Pray. I think I need to encourage them. Pray. I never have to apologize when I pray. So help me out and just pray. Did you know that our board, if you were to add up the years together that our board had, I called Roy and asked him, can you get me a, a, a list of years of how many, how many years the, the board has actually actively been on here at Carbondale? And if you added up all the years, Jim, of all the board members, there's 199 years of faithful service given to this church by these people that you've put on the board. Don't you think they want what's best for your church? Don't you think they care and they want to have the Holy Spirit speak to them? So I'm asking you this morning to help us as we pray, as we dream, as we search, as we look for, as we try to hear the Holy Spirit. I pray that you just let God speak to you and let God speak to the board. And we're going to see this house flourish in ways that we've never seen it flourish before. We as a church and you as individuals, me included, we just need to ask God to help our board, to pray for our board. 
in this season of search for our next pastor. They, they don't need my advice. They don't need your advice. They just need our prayers. And will you make me a promise that you'll do just that? Because I've already made a promise to the board that I will do that. I said I will speak less and I will pray more. And that's what I'm going to do because the board are my friends and I love them. And they want the best thing for our church. And so I'm asking you, I've already had to apologize myself. So I'm asking you not to have to apologize for something that you say that you didn't mean. Understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our church. And the board's going to get it right. And we're going to go forward and we're going to flourish. In this prayer that Jesus prayed, he prayed for three people. Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for the church, past, present, and future. And he prayed for his disciples. I'm asking you this morning to do the same thing with me. If you have a smartphone and you know how to set your alarm, I'm asking you to set your alarm for 520. My hope is that you'll set the alarm for 520 and you'll pray for three things this season, these last few moments that we have as we're searching. Pray for yourself that you'll be able to keep your unity and, and bite your tongue. Pray for our board that God will constantly speak to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And pray for our church that will stay unified in this process. Those three different things to pray for. I want you to pray for them one minute apiece. 520. This total is three minutes. Anyone can pray for three minutes. If, if you're a military guy, then you'll know that what I just did was 1720. If you'll understand what 1720 is, it's 520. There you go. I just want you to pray at 520 every day. Pray for, we used to do it at seven o'clock every day. During COVID, we set alarms and we would pray. We do that for me, for our board, for our church, for you as individuals. Just set an alarm and just say, hey, God, will you pray for my, I wanna pray for my church. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing that we have is each other, is each other. The worship team would come. We're going to go ahead and, and close this morning. But I just, I just want you to know that this was a heavy-hearted message that I had to preach. But I feel that it was a timely message and that it was something that God had for us today. And I just want to ask you. I want to ask you all across this room. If you love your church, would you just stand? I didn't say if you love Pastor Jeff. If you love your church, would you just stand? And I want to ask you another question. If you're willing to make that commitment to pray every day at 520 so that we can find the perfect will of God for our church and you love Jesus, I'm going to ask you for the next two minutes, three minutes, they're going to start to sing. Can we just make this a moment of prayer? Because it's all we have. All we have is prayer and each other. And although you may not agree and you may have your own opinions, and that's okay. I do not want your opinion to destroy my relationship with you. So let's just pray. So can we just, all across this room as they begin to sing, would you just for the next two or three minutes, three minutes if you would, just come and just pray. Pray for your church. Pray for your board and pray for yourself. Three minutes, three minutes, and then we'll close. Amen. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine
spent my fourth man in the fire Time after time Born of his spirit Washed in his blood And what he did for me on Calvary Is more than enough I trust in God My Savior Submission. All is that.